Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, and today I have a special episode. Today I am sitting down with a very special guest known as Andrew Lowen, who is the mastermind behind the Deliverance board game that I've mentioned before. So thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, Andrew? Really good, bro. Having a lot of fun trying to keep up with this Deliverance thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I've teased it a little bit in a few of our episodes back when I first heard about Deliverance, but uh, why don't we start off by talking about who you are? Like, what, what do you want the listener to know about you? Yeah, so I um, uh, guess I'm a career gamer, uh, try hard at games, board games, video games, card games. I'm a father of five, soon to be six. Wow, and um, yeah, I designed Deliverance, a Christian fantasy dungeon crawl or tactical combat game. And uh, it's I, I founded a publishing company to do it. And I also run a marketing agency where I market board games and I intellectual properties like Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, Star Trek, um, Conan, Fallout, Dune, and a bunch of other things like that. I've worked with Star Realms, Ascension, um, and a, a lot of other um, companies out there that, uh, you know, and really cool games. And um, some of the stuff I do is on Kickstarter. So we've marketed like 50 Kickstarters um, over the last two years. And now Deliverance is the first one that is actually mine. So it's been a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. And it was exciting when I first heard about it. So before we glaze over it, I want to congratulate you on number six. I'm expecting number four here in the next few weeks. So oh, as one awesome. father to another, I, I, you know, good job on you. I, I know the excitement. So can you give us a quick pitch on what deliverance is for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about? Yes. So deliverance is a cooperative board game uh, for one to four players and takes about an hour or two to, to play depending on you know how many players and what mode you're playing and all that. Um, so you play elite angels in the army of heaven and you have come down to this small little backwoodsy town in modern day Southern California called Fallbrook that is filled with demonic activity. And so your mission is to figure out what is going on and why there are so many demons here. Um, it's your standing order to protect saints um, alongside, you know, figuring out what this, you know, what the purpose of the demons are. Um and you expect that one of your former angelic brethren, a mighty fallen prince that now leads the armies of darkness from the shadows, has taken residence here. And it is your order to send that fallen prince to the abyss to await his final judgment, along with every other demon that would stand in your way. Now, something strange is happening in this town. It seems as though the evils and the darkness from the human realm is bleeding and manifesting into the spiritual realm. So you have to protect saints and cast down this darkness through prayer. You have to, you cannot win this game by blade alone. You must use all of your tools um, to survive. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm excited for it, man. I know that you have it right now. There's a, is that your creation on uh, the steam uh, workshop where it's on tabletop simulator. Is that you that's making that or is someone working with you? Yeah, actually. So I, I created the game on tabletop simulator. I have a, um, uh, uh, I'll say somebody who I paid, you know, a hundred, hundred bucks or so to create 
the uh, scripting. So it's actually nice. You just sit down at the table, hit a button, and then it knows how many players are there, how many map tiles to put out, where to place them all. And so you just hit a button to start the game, hit another button to select your character, and then off you go. Yeah, I I sat down with that a little bit and I was messing with it. Uh, So anyone who has Tabletop Simulator on Steam can go to the workshop and just look up Deliverance and play this game for free. Yeah, it it has. It's got, um, let's see, looking at the item stats real quick. It has 702 subscribers Mm -hmm. um, so far, and we have a bunch of positive ratings on it. And we actually have a Discord server that you can join and... um, find a game so you can actually find a, a teacher to to teach you the game mm-hmm. and you can find um a group to play at whatever difficulty level you you're you want uh, depending on how great of a gamer you are you might be new to these types of games or maybe you're more experienced and seasoned and ready to kind of tackle the higher difficulties i'll say if you if you're looking for it deliverance can be a really hard game yeah <laughs> yeah and you had a challenge set up for anyone who can beat the the like elite difficulty setting right yeah so that discord world um so for anyone who's more of a seasoned board gamer can you give us any games that it's kind of like like what's this beast like is it is it more you know so like the um the best way i could describe it is you've got um if you're familiar with so uh in fact actually it harkens back to a lot of video games um it's almost it almost feels like a video game on the table really is kind of how i describe it to people but um the tactical combat portion you're fighting these demons kind of in the spirit realm right uh you know around the uh all the human town and everything and that tactical combat feels a little bit like Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem are two games that are very, uh, you'll, you'll immediately feel it. And, you know, the way that range and targeting and combat, um, takes place, it's a grid system that, that, uh, really kind of harkens back to Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem. And then, um, the, uh, you know, or maybe in a, in an oversimplified version, it's like a chessboard. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like you're moving pieces on the chessboard, but, um, the, uh, so that's, you know, angels and demons fighting there. So now mm-hmm. you have the demons are controlled by the game itself. They, they're, uh, they have this AI that, um, every individual demon acts very differently, uh, mm-hmm. but all the same, according to their, what, what we call the decision tree, it's kind of their skills. Mm-hmm. They do this first and then you roll a dice to see what skill they use. So it kind of activates mm-hmm. in a, um, almost like a Gloomhaven system, but instead of um, cards that are random, they always do certain things, and then other things are random. So you may get um, smashed real heavy from like a big sword swing, or maybe you get more darkness cards that come out, and it's you know it kind of keeps you on your toes. So um, then there's an element that I think works wonderfully with the tactical combat so it, it is the darkness board so the uh, these darkness cards come out that are, are kind of like uh magic the gatherings enchantments or instant or sorceries so there will be things that come out that permanently change the board or make the demon stronger or damage you or cripple you in some way and you have to either put up with them or deal with them by casting them down so um, and then other things will just be like, Hey, you all take damage or you all get afflicted with a negative status effect or something mm-hmm. like that. And that is, it almost, it feels like pandemic. Have you ever played pandemic with the infection deck? Um, 
So I don't know if you've, if you have, but it's, it's like, uh, this deck of cards that is just scary. You know, you're dealing with it and you're like, Oh no, what's going to happen? Is the yeah. epidemic going to come and all that, yeah. that feeling is kind of like what these darkness cards feel like. Mm. And so you have to balance the, um, really kind of the core tension from the game comes from your balance of like slaying the demons in tactical combat and dealing with the darkness. And so yeah. the way that like, there's this little system, it's almost like, um, like final fantasy, how they have limit breaks. I don't yeah. know. You kind of charge up and, or like even street fighter and stuff like that. You've got mm. this, this energy bar that you kind of charge up and then you unleash really powerful skills. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, um, that, that system is very present in deliverance and it kind of helps you to catch up a little bit when you're, you're falling behind. Mm-hmm. Um, the angels themselves feel like the way, the way I would describe it, league of legends. If, if mm-hmm. you're familiar with that video game where you have one hero that's kitted out with a unique set of skills that it, it just feels very different from any other hero. And um, you end up um, like building your character and customizing and that sort of thing. But you still, you know, the, the character skills kind of get enhanced and whatnot. So you have these skill trees that offer a lot of variety there. And then lastly, the boss fights feel a lot like a gigantic raid boss from world of Warcraft or something like that, where, um, or maybe like dark souls, you know, you've got, um, the, the giant bosses from dark souls. Um, they're like semi scripted where, you know, like the water dude's going to do the water cannon, but you don't know when. And then also he could do the stomp and he could add a bunch of bad dudes, but you know, so you kind of have to figure out the, the puzzle of the encounter and then deal with, you know, all of the, the unknowns as they kind of come up. Uh, it's really fun. Very fun. Yeah. yeah. And I was talking to you a bit before about Aeon's End or Aeon's, yeah, Aeon's End is the mm-hmm. game that I played most uh, as board games. And you said it was a lot like this, which I was excited for, especially since I started with Aeon's End in the board gaming realm you know, yeah. with these massive board games. Yeah. A lot of the time in Aeon's End, you, you're doing your best and then you find that it's like, Oh no, is like the initiative deck is like, is it going to be the boss or are we going to draw my card or yeah. whatever? It's like, yeah. basically, do we win or lose? You know, yeah, in the, the end, you're like, <laughs> survive long enough and you know, you do your best and then, oh my goodness, what do I, uh-huh. I know I'm going to draw that fireball or whatever. But <laughs> it's like, I need this right now mm-hmm. and it feels good. It's like that really high, high or really yeah. low, low, like, oh yeah. no, it happened. Yeah. So deliverance has that really epic emotional you know, action at the end with every boss, they, they have kind of a, a customized deck of darkness cards. So their own darkness cards that will do very different things and Uh challenge you in different ways. And also kind of, it's a really hard to survive in deliverance. You, I mean, especially in the higher difficulty, you just can't survive forever at all. So it's a race against time in in some ways uh, uh with that boss's darkness deck kind of harkens yeah. to aeon's end a little bit yeah so what was some of the you know initial inspiration behind deliverance it's it's very uh it's very nice to see kind of a, a thematic thematic game that's more christian i'd say maybe not necessarily like you know straight out of the bible but it's definitely got more christian thematics in it and it might appeal more to christian players so mm-hmm. where where did this originally come from is it something that you 
got from the Bible or just, you started coming up with the game mechanics first and then you started to skin it with this, this very angelic and demonic uh, skin. So I, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the time designers will do one of two things. They either start with the mechanics. It's like, Oh, a really cool idea. And then they are like, what theme should this be? And then others like myself, we start with the theme first, like, Oh, this is a really cool thing. And what would this look like in a game? And that's kind of where I started. So I, I, uh, there are a couple of passages in the Bible that talk about, you know, Michael, the archangel contending with Satan over the body of Moses. And that's in Jude. And then there's Gabriel, the, the messenger of God that was like, Hey, Mary, you have baby Jesus, right? (laughs) That guy was set to deliver a message to a big shot named Daniel and a demon with the title of the Prince of Persia stopped him for three weeks. And it was only when Michael the Archangel came that that um, he was able to break away and actually deliver the message. And then Gabriel said to Daniel, by the way, I have to go back and help Michael fight off the Prince of Persia because Michael can't do it on his own. And later the Prince of Greece is going to come and you, you know that that's just going to be a huge deal. Yeah. So it was in my head like, what in the world happened? You know, like did mm-hmm. they fight with swords and and – you know, powers or did they like argue with each other? Did they arm wrestle? Like what happened? Uh And so that was kind of where the thematic idea came from. And, you know, all of my experience, I was a former professional hearthstone player. I put easily over 30,000 hours into world of Warcraft, um, into one character of world of Warcraft, uh, in Uh a 10 year period. Ridiculous. But, um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, it was, I just, had all of this, I guess a huge part of me really knew what made a good game. Mm -hmm. And then there was another part that was a little frustrated that all of the games that I could choose from were secular. And that's just how it was. Like if you wanted a good game, it's just, you, you have to go secular because the quote unquote Christian games are just slightly worse reskins of existing games that are better. Right. It's like, you've got, you know, I don't want to throw shade on any games, but you know, I want to, I want to play magic gathering, but I want to play the Christian magic, the gathering. Yeah. I want to play world of Warcraft. I just want to play the Christian world of Warcraft or right. whatever. Right. It's just like, it's not going to be as good because those original games were the ones that were in it, that innovated on them, on these mechanics and you're yeah. just copying them and changing it. It's like, all right, instead of dealing damage, we're going to add sins to your pile. <laughs> it's like, that sounds worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It um, makes it cheesy. Yeah. So I was always kind of frustrated that, you know, with, you know, this really people land on both sides of this aisle, but you take uh, something like Harry Potter, which a lot of Christians really love. Then other Christians feel absolutely is like from the pit of hell, you know, and you have everything else in between, you know? So I, I just wanted there to be an awesome epic game that was really the best in class best in class completely original and innovative uh-huh. and challenging and all that that was fun that you know so i didn't have to compromise on the quality of the game right. but also you know i didn't have to compromise by you know my character summons demons and you know um uses sorcery to win right right so right. the kind of the theme ended up translating perfectly it was like this christian fantasy theme of angels slaying demons it's like i can throw a fireball into a demon's face and melt it to ash or you know turn it into ash by the power of god 
now there's no compromise. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you, you get to play the game and, and keep it within the wheelhouse of, of our belief, you know? Right. It's, it's nice to, that's why I was really excited about this game. Cause when I first heard about it, I was like, this sounds really Christian. And I started digging into your information. I was like, wait a minute, this guy is a Christian. And I mean, he looks like he's actually studying the Bible and taking some of this and incorporating it into the yep. game. And I'm glad to see people like you and, and more creators starting to come around to making Christian fantasy sort of stuff, you know, and stuff like deliverance, which I'm excited by. And, you know, disclaimer to all everyone who's listening, I'm backing this project on Kickstarter <laughs> right now. You know, I, I'm trying not to fanboy too much here, I, <laughs> but so talking about this being, you know, more of a belief thing, how has this influenced your walk with Christ? Oh, that's a great question. Um, God has used it, has used this to humble me in a lot of ways uh, because it's been a five-year journey. It's, um, you know, the first time I put deliverance on the table. So this June 1st is, I don't know why I remember June 1st, 2016. That was the day that the idea entered my mind and I started working on a thing and um a couple of months later, we had a prototype on the table and uh, I borrowed all my minis from War of the Ring and took all of the pandemic legacy season one cubes. I was like, all right, these are other things. And, you know, we used a bunch of bits that I bought off Amazon and, you know, colored on three by five note cards. And there it was. And I remember the game used to be like six battles long. So to give you an idea, now the game is two battles long. That time the game was six battles long and we, we, you know, played the game and it took uh, like two and a half hours to die in the first battle out of six. It was like, Oh my goodness, that was hard. And it felt like, it felt like I was doing math and taxes. Um, <laughs> it did not feel like I was an epic angel slaying demons. You know, this game's awful. And so it took a lot of work and a lot of play testing. I moved play tested the game well over a thousand times. And you know, with a Christian game, when you design a Christian game, you're not allowed, and this is something I learned, this is why designing a good Christian game is very hard. Yeah. You're not allowed to do anything just simply because it's cool. Yeah. That will get you in big trouble with legit Christians. And uh-huh. the reason for that is because if something is 99% good and 1% bad, but you're calling it Christian, then it's yeah. 100% bad. Yeah. It, it's just uh, one of those things that, uh, you know, and of course, that's a relative uh, term. I know there are people who will say, oh, it has demons in it. I won't even bring it into my house now. Yeah, right. You know? um, but surprise, you know, demons are probably already in your house. Uh, you know? <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, you, you need to learn how to deal with it. <laughs> you don't. You're going to get your butt kicked. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the, you know, the, the game, every once in a while, I would get the hardest news from somebody that was just like the mouth of God talking to me, you know, at a, uh-huh. at an event, they were like, you know, this game really has a problem here. It is way, it takes way too long or this didn't work very well. And I know that they're, what they're saying is correct. Yeah. And that means four months of work to just fix it. And it's like, yeah. Oh my goodness, color drains from my face. And, yeah. you know, and that's what it takes in order to make a really good game. And you know what the Bible says in Proverbs is, that it's to the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's to the glory of a King to search out a matter. And I believe that God gave this game right to me, downloaded it into my head. And I can tell you a couple of things that happened that were just, that that will prove it very quickly um, that that's what happened. And 
um, he was like, you know, here it is. Here's the the essential piece. Now you start pulling on the string. You start yeah. figuring it out. You're like a, a blind person trying to get through a maze right now, like a corn yeah. maze. And yeah. uh, you got to feel around and figure out the right way to go. And it was a lot of work to do. It was like, why didn't God, why didn't you just give me like the finished product right from the get go? We could have had this game out like four years ago. <laughs> and that's not what God wanted. He's like, you know right? what? You are going to know why this game is good. And uh-huh you know, all of the elements. And so anyway, yeah. Yeah. So it was very humbling, you know, very humbling. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that answers one of my other questions. Have you learned anything profound about God? You know, so much definitely seen that he expects us to work hard for it. Not, he's not just going to give us everything. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because um, the, so early on I had this idea, it just hit me. It was, the idea between how, well, really how the tactical combat would work had this vision for the tactical combat. It's going to be like Final Fantasy Tactics, right? Uh And then, but the darkness deck is going to come out like this and you have to use your prey action to get rid of it. (laughs) That's my baby. (laughs) Cute. So um, you have to get rid of it with your prey action. And Uh if you use your prey action, the demons are still going to come after you and and whatnot. So we're going to have this prayer deck that you're uh-huh. going to, every time you pray, you draw a card from the prayer deck in, in addition to, to having a, a chance, like a dice rolls chance to getting yeah. out, to getting this darkness card eliminated. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that core system in the way that I initially came into my head is exactly what we have in deliverance today. The core fun of deliverance. I knew what it was on the first day that I thought wow. of this game and wow. I just, had to put you know thousands of hours into finding out how to make it fun but yeah. you know how to was, how to make that work with everything else that's going on in the game right gave, gave you that cornerstone and then said yep. here you go carry on you know <laughs> yeah and you know the end result is that you know we, we were talking earlier about you know did you uh think of mechanics and then put a theme on it or whatever and the theme of deliverance that really the gameplay and the theme are like so intertwined that they could never possibly be another theme. You might yeah. be able to take, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that the darkness deck and the way that that influences the board is the most clever part about the game. And it's the most yeah. innovative part about the game. And they want to see other games kind of take and, and leverage that it's cool to do something so original, you know, but the yeah. idea is that all of the way, that, the way that the whole theme works, you could never retheme it into zombies. How yeah. would you figure out how the praying and darkness works? Right, and, right. You'd, you know, have how, to, yeah. you'd have to change so much about it that it wouldn't be necessarily just like what you've created already. Right. So, right. which is cool because a lot of the time, you know, you with a, a typical, I'll, you know, say like with air quotes, a typical Christian game, it really is like, hey, we're going to do a worker placement game. Yeah. And then the, the theme is just going to be, you know, it could be Everdell, but no, we're going to be like in first century Judea spreading the gospel or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you, you know, uh, while certain games, like for example, commissioned is a good Christian game. Yeah. Uh, probably the, the best Christian game I have on my shelf. Um, very innovative. It's almost like reverse pandemic before pandemic did it in yeah. season two, you know, legacy. Uh-huh. So yeah. I thought there, there are other games you can point to that are, that are nice like that, but. Hmm. so So, do you think that this that deliverance is going to be a way that people can kind of 
you know, walk closer with Christ or are you thinking more just like wholesome entertainment where, where you think deliverance is going to fit into that? Yeah. So um, I, I look at conceptually deliverance is kind of an allegory for how a Christian should be fighting spiritual warfare. So the angels kind of serve as the allegory for people, uh, yeah. which is why they do not look anything like the Bible describes, like they don't have six wings, four heads and eyeballs everywhere. Um, and they're not so terrifying that you want to fall down and worship them or just die. <laughs> you know, they just look like good looking people with two wings from various cultures around the world. Yeah. And um, the, uh, the idea is that the game itself is not meant to be preachy at all. There wow. are 180 Bible verses in every wow. game. They're all used as, thematically appropriate flavor text. They're not something that you have to know in order to win the game or anything like that. And this is meant, I I feel like, you know, deliverance is just a a box of fun and it's not able to, if you ask it a question, it's not like a magic eight ball where it can respond. It's all about the people around the table. You know, it's like you can use the game as a tool for fun or you can use it as a tool for teaching your family or for witnessing and minute, you know, ministering yeah. uh, to others. And I think I I've, I've personally left the um, that job to the person playing the game. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just think, which is actually why one of the, one of the reasons that a lot of Christians love this game is that they can take it to game night without worrying about like, what their non-Christian friend is going to feel, you know, it's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to take it because Jimmy is an atheist and uh, you know, we don't want him to get offended. So let's Mm -hmm. just play scythe or let's just play, Mm -hmm. you know, terraforming Mars or something like that. Like that's totally an option. And so if, you know, a Christian feels a little too embarrassed to share it, then that's, that's a huge problem to me. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, it, you know, we have a lot of people that mm-hmm. are non-Christians that love playing this game that say, yeah. you know, I, we, I have Satanists that told me I should put more Bible verses in it, you know, and I have atheists that are like, I've read more Bible playing your game in the last hour than I have in the last 20 years. It's like, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's, it's a discipleship tool. And, you know, me as a youth pastor, which I, I do as, you know, volunteer, I'm excited to get this game to share with my kids at youth. Cause I think that this could definitely itch a scratch on certain board games. Cause like you said, it's hard to find Christian board games that are good yeah. that actually grab the kid's attention. So, right. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a Christian version of Dungeons and Dragons that, go has no dungeon master. You know, yeah. some people will understand it like that. People who play D&D are just like, well, that already exists and it's yeah. uh, other it's called, you know, there are other other types of Christian D&D. So it's yeah. it really is more of a like a role-playing board game experience, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah so where can totally listeners lacking. get this game right now? Yeah, so you can go to kickstarter.com and search for deliverance and um you can go to deliverancethegame.com. And you can find information there. We're live on Kickstarter for just under three weeks um, as we're recording this podcast. And our goal is to raise as much support as we possibly can. And, you know, that we're offering the game for sale and, uh, you know, for pre-order. And by supporting us now, you're supporting a good thing. We're getting... Uh 
we're spreading, we are spreading the gospel with this game. We're, we're getting, I mean, like I said, 180 Bible verses that are going to be on people's tables. You know, there, people are going to share a meal and then sit around and establish better relationships with each other through this game. And they're going to see the Bible and, you know, feel the spiritual warfare and and that kind of thing. And I think that it's really going to minister to a lot of people. Um, But we have, you know, less than three weeks to raise as much money as we can to number one, get as many games out there as we can. Number two, prove to retailers and distribution like, you know, Barnes and Noble and uh, local game stores that this is actually a good product that people want. And so we have, 1600 back over 1600 backers right now and uh we've raised over $206,000 so far and there are a lot of people that want it but yeah. we you know every single backer you know counts it it helps so much and we have a lot of support a lot of people who are really excited if you want to play the game on tabletop simulator you can do that on mm-hmm. our discord server and yeah. so on and so forth but you'll find everything at our website deliverancethegame.com all right and then if you back, when can players expect to see this on shelves or in their home? When 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 is that launch date? Yeah, so when uh, so just so that everybody knows, after we uh, after the Kickstarter finishes, we're going to finish the game and manufacture it, and then ship it. So we have a timeline um, outlined. It's about a one year timeline to get everything finished. We've actually added several months buffer to that. We've added three months of extra time to that. Um, and, you know, just to make sure that we deliver it, you know, before people uh, expect or at least on time, right? In case right. things go wrong. And right. we know that right now the whole shipping situation where, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just a, a shortage of, of things. Um, so we kind of are pre-planning for things to go wrong and, you know, just to make sure that we can deliver on time. Right, right. That's good because I backed. Uh, I don't know if you heard of cards Christians like, mm-hmm. but I backed them, and it they like kept having to roll back. I mean, they launched right during the beginning of the pandemic, so <laughs> they were like hit right off the bat with this. You know, shipping shut down, manufacturing shut down. We're having issues. We tried launching this game, and all of a sudden now, like it was like six months before the games finally got out. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that you guys are planning for something like that. Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, three months might not be enough, but right. at least it gives you some, some wiggle room. So. Yep. Yeah. Two weeks after we launched our campaign um, or maybe uh, rather two weeks after we planned our shipping, this uh-huh. was just a couple of days after we launched our campaign. Uh-huh. Um, all of this information started coming out about how there are uh, shortages of containers that, that go on gigantic ships, gigantic, uh-huh. uh, Shipping containers. Uh, yeah, shipping containers. They're they're not able to get back. So China will ship something and several hundred containers will get offloaded. And then those containers will not return because yeah. of something having to do with COVID. Yeah. And so there are not enough containers to ship all the products that need shipping. And that's yeah. what is going on right now. So hopefully by the time we ship, the that crisis is resolved. But we, we had the Suez Canal blocked by yeah, a, right. a giant ship a few months ago. That certainly didn't help. And yeah. then uh, who knows? You know, we just we're yeah. just planning for the worst. So. Yeah. so before we move on to the next part of the interview, is there anything else you want listeners to know about your, your game deliverance? Um, it is a great game that stands on its own. That is also that also that lives in the Christian fantasy uh, universe. So it's um, not something that you you 
You're not going to need to know Bible in order to get better at it. You're not going to need to be a Christian in order to, to enjoy it. Um, Christians will see the extra hidden meaning everywhere. It's like, I call them Easter eggs yeah. and they'll really love it, I think. But non-Christians will also find it really entertaining. And, and a lot of people will tell me that are non-Christians, they, they'll say, well, I look at this as like Greek mythology or, you know, um, yeah. Uh, Norse mythology and I love those things. So yeah. let's do it. It's like, all right. You know, I'm yeah. not looking to, to try to say, Oh no, it has to, you have to see it this way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You leave, leave that open. I mean, our message stands on its own. So it's important yep. that you leave that door open. They'll eventually find out it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> as we move into the more based on what my podcast is about, uh, why don't you talk to me, to my audience a little bit about how you came to Christ initially. So yeah. like, do you have a denomination that you're part of or like, what did that beginning of that walk look like? Sure. So I started, uh, I grew up in a Christian home and it was a relatively boring story as far as how I came to Christ. I, you know, my mama taught me right. And I accepted Christ at 12 years old on a, on a church camp. Um, I, I went to a church that was, maybe it was a couple of hundred people and, then really blew up and expanded and it had 15,000 people on a weekend by the time I was, I uh, moved on and I went through, you know, junior high, high school, college group and, you know, and then the 20 something group after that. And I moved into, and these were, I believe they were evangelical free is what the denomination was called. And um, I really started to deepen in my relationship with Christ though, when my sister-in-law passed away, she suddenly and unexpectedly died at the age of 20. And that made me want to know where she, I wanted to know more about where she was, where she was because she loved Jesus. She was a Christian and very, very innocent person and just such a kind soul. And I loved her, you know, and I um, wanted to know where she was. So I researched so much about heaven and, I found solace in actually reading my Bible. You know, I knew what it said. I'd been taught, you know, three verses every sermon for the last, you know, however many Sundays, right? Years worth yeah, of Sundays. Yeah. But I really took an interest to read it on my own. I was about 24 years old. And so I uh, just was married to, I just got married to my wife, um, you know, and, and then less than a year later, she, she, she passed away and which is my wife's sister. So, I really went a lot deeper. I started reading the Bible every day, like a chapter, one to four chapters every day. Yeah. And I've, it's something that I've continued. I'm now 36 and I've continued that trend almost every day for the last, you know, 12 years or so. And so I, I just can't get enough. And I've seen God turn transition from someone whom I thought I actually, you know, tangent, but I feel like everybody's, opinion of God relates to kind of their, their father and how their dad treated them or acted and that kind of thing, you know? And, um, but I, I learned things about God that were, that God is so much more personal than just a, a, um, a big dude in the sky that wants you to do the right stuff, but that he, he cares about every little thing. Like if this God is all knowing, all powerful, you know, and you know, every, everything else, all of the Omni thingies that we, that is in church lingo Mm -hmm. that um, he is able to care about even the smallest things in our lives, like a board game, 
Yeah. You know, and I challenged God. I said, God, there are so many great games out there and I play a ton of them. And why is there not a game like, you know, like this? And God was like, <laughs> basically said, here am I, send me. <laughs> and God was like, all right, bro, here's your journey, five year yeah. journey to make something awesome. And um, I've just seen God, ter- he transformed from a, you know, a God that is uh, like my boss and my dictator to a God that is my personal friend. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, uh, or or so. more like an actual father, you know? Yeah. So I, I've noticed that since we were Revelation on Demand, we started in the book of Revelation. So I noticed that as we, we studied Revelation that I started getting this piece about death, you know, it's, it's just you understand yeah. where you're going, what's going on and, and that yep. it's not the end. It's a transition. And just the piece that comes from understanding what we call eschatology yep. can strengthen you to go do fearless things like start a board game when you've never made a board game in your life, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and if we get raptured before the end of this podcast and it never makes it out, then I'm cool with so it. So be it. Yeah. So be it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> me and my co-host joke that we'll be podcasting in heaven. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, um, do you have any views on eschatology or any kind of theories on when the end is, or do you fall into any camps like premillennial, postmillennial when you come to your personal beliefs on eschatology? So, um, as far as the rapture of the church, that's, I think, a core tenet. I think that the, you know, I've studied, I've studied this quite a lot. And, uh, my belief is that it's a pre-tribulation full rapture. Uh-huh. So every, every person who believes in Jesus um, will go up in, in the twinkling, you know, just suddenly. And uh-huh. I also believe that it is this generation that will see that happen. Okay. So the, um, I fall into the camp that says the last requirement was for Israel to become a nation in one day. Yeah. Right. You know, I, you know, they, they were, they became a nation in, you know, one day in 1940, uh, 19, May 14, 1948. Yeah. Right. And then May 15th, they got into their first war. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And uh, I believe that ever since that happened, that the rapture of the church is being primed. And as some in, you know, some will say um, you have the hour hand, the minute hand, and then the second hand, which the hour hand is Israel, the minute, or maybe the hour hand is the world. I don't know that the minute minute hand is Israel and the second hand is the temple Mount, Jerusalem and the temple Mount. And, I think that, um, that, you know, it's really revving up, you know, yeah. tacos, the, the revving up of the, the, the time when things will end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I look at, you know, 1948, May 14th was, um, what, like 75 years ago or, or, yeah. or so. And the Bible says that a generation is, you know, there are various uh, definitions for a generation, but the maximum length is 120 years. Yeah. A lot of people see it as between 70 to 120 years. Yeah. And the, what the Bible said was that this generation that sees the 1948, you know, Israel being born in one day, yeah. that generation will, you know, some in that generation will not pass away, but be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were talking about revelation. Yeah. One of my favorite little Easter eggs, I guess you could say in Revelation is it talks so much about the church in like the first three chapters. Yeah. And then chapter four, verse one is like, 
hey, come up here. It's like, <laughs> and then the church is not talked about for the next 17 chapters or whatever. Right, right. It's like, okay, you know, and then when the church is talked about again, when Christ comes back and we come back mm-hmm. with him mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just uses the term saints in between yeah. and all sorts of terrible things happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I, that's kind of where I land on the, uh, the, the rapture view. Um, uh-huh. and I leave room for myself to be wrong. And in fact, actually, right. even with deliverance, I, I made sure not to take an extremely strong stance on inter-Christian arguments like Calvinism or the rapture or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. just because, th- you know, there's already so much to argue over. I actually think that they're very fun things to talk about. Oh um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Anything I, in particular? I, I, I... I, I, I spend most of my time listening to all sorts of different theologians and everything on all manner of theological topics like the Armenian Calvinism or uh, mm-hmm. dispensationalists and millennialists and all the different stuff. So I find it absolutely fascinating. I have my own joke theory that, you know, the world will end in 2060, but <laughs> there's a complete podcast episode on that. If anyone's interested, I think it was like the fourth or fifth episode that I made that joke. So, <laughs> you know, moving on, we could be here all day, but uh, as we know what you're working on, probably this answer is, is obvious, uh, but what are your view on the spiritual beings known as demons or angels and demons, that class of yep. being that was created by God and then that we someday are going to be part of or something like that. Yeah. So, okay. So angels and there are really three different types of these beings, I guess, in a broad sense, you've got angels, you've got fallen angels, and then you have demons and they actually appear to be separate things. Angels and fallen angels are good guys, bad guys, right? Like angels that, that rejected, um, you know, Satan's, I guess Satan's offer. Um, and then you got fallen angels like, like Lucifer, Satan, you know, all of these are just titles. Right. But, uh, and then you've got demons and you can, you know, looking at something like Legion, um, Mm -hmm. our name is Legion for where many, you know, there, all these demons begged him not to send, beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss. And these demons, I believe are different than fallen angels. They, yeah. And the, the primary difference is that they do not have a body. Right. So uh, personally, you know, this is complete just talking out of my tail, <laughs> uh, an opinion, which means yeah. nothing. Right. But demons, I actually think, you know, that it's it, if so, I do know, I do believe that angels and demons fight in a physical combat. I believe that spirits have a physical like manifestation, you know, uh-huh. that spirits aren't just like pure energy and whatever. Yeah. There's actually a physical body, you know, like uh, Abraham was feeding Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, which is like grapes or whatever. Like Uh he was eating a physical thing and Jesus, after his resurrection in his resurrected body, ate food and all of these other things. So I believe that an angel and demon bodies can be destroyed. Angel and fallen angel bodies can be destroyed Uh and that angel bodies would just be healed in heaven's med bay. But where, where do demons get healed? Where do fallen angels get healed? Right. right? right. And um, so, you know, it would stand to reason that f- f- demons basically uh, not having bodies would, you know, that's, that's a possibility. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think so. from what I've studied, that uh, demons in particular, if you're talking about this this class that is uh, like strictly spiritual, I believe it is the offspring of the Nephilim mm-hmm. who were killed during the flood. Yeah, that that's where demons come from, I believe. Yeah, and but that's coming be. from Enoch, which may not be mm-hmm. totally scripture. So right. Yeah, and you know the the thing is with the Nephilim, a lot of people will argue that the the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they went and, and made babies and they were these giant abominations. And I don't know about you, but when a man and a woman get together, they don't usually make abominations. Some no. of them, I guess some of kids, <laughs> some kids, but for the most part, no abominations are made. And some people will argue that the lineage of Seth were the sons of God, but you know, the daughters of men and the sons of God seem different. And then, you know, you've got in second Peter, you've got the angels that sinned. You've got uh-huh. Jude and second Peter are uh, chapter two are quite uh, parallel accounts of these, um, their examples. So Jude, the whole book of Jude is a really good one. And uh-huh. I draw a lot about angels and demons through the book of Jude. The entire book was him saying, Hey, I really wanted to write a positive thing, but I felt so compelled to write about apostasy and Uh Jude used examples that everyone understood. Everybody around them understood. So he used examples like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, that were destroyed for their ungodliness. And then he used example, uh, which would be, so he used Gentile example with Sodom and Gomorrah. He used the Jew example, which was, um, Afterward, after everybody wandered around in the desert, they got destroyed. Like all the people who didn't believe got destroyed. And then he used yeah. the angels example. Well, second, um, second Peter chapter two takes that angel example and says the angels that sinned. And we know that, you know, yeah. Satan sinned, like he clearly sinned. He's like a bad dude, but he's still around. But these angels right. that sinned were, cast into hell is what it says the the uh, greek translation is tataru right tartarus this this greek legend yeah. of a place that is a prison for these titans that if if they ever get out the whole world is destroyed um well that that's quite right. consistent with what you know with with the view of the nephilim and the angels that sinned what yeah. was the sin going down and mating with with uh-huh. women and creating these abominations. Yeah, no. And then you got those guys locked in the abyss until the end times. <laughs> so we, we right. you have, it's all full circle, you know? So absolutely. Is there anything else you want to, you want to just jive on right now? If you want to talk about, we can talk about real quick. We got a few minutes here. Yeah. Um, let's see. As far as the, the, some of the more interesting things that I think are a little bit more nuanced. Um, I guess, you look at um, Noah's Ark. So Jude does a great job. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I totally recommend Chuck Misler's study through the book of Jude, by the way. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Chuck, okay. It's like a 22-part study. He gets It's like a high-level college course on you know, like one verse okay. at a time. It's like an hour lecture yeah. on, a, on one verse, right? And he goes yeah. into Noah and the Ark. And... Mm-hmm. You know, in in the book of Jude, right there, Noah and 
Korah and Cain and um, so many things are referenced. You go into Genesis to, to see all these things and understand them. But I found Noah was very interesting. Noah's ark was sealed within and without with pitch. Uh, what Basically what this means is that when Noah was building the ark, God told him seal the ark so that it, water doesn't get into it, right? And you do that right. with pitch. Well, yeah. he told him to seal it on the inside too. And most boats that I know of at the time were never sealed on the inside. And I thought that was very interesting. And by the way, the word pitch actually literally translates atonement. (laughs) Atonement is the word. And it's translated two times in the Old Testament as pitch. And then 300 times is the word atonement. So in the Old Testament, in the OT. So the, the, it was sealed within and without. And obviously atonement is Christ. You know, there's all the, yeah. the analogy of the, of Noah's Ark. You've got, uh-huh. you know, Noah being preserved in Christ, delivered through this flood and uh-huh. that kind of thing. And yeah. the thing is Noah's Ark landed on this mountain and uh-huh. the mountains were basically the, these range mountain range in Turkey, uh, a place called Ararat. It's like uh-huh. the, the mountains. Um, I actually think Diablo, Diablo two was based on Ariat was based on this place, but anyway, um, very, very cold. And it was so cold that they could not, uh, stay there. They had to leave. Everybody had to leave. And that place is frozen 100% of the time. And because Noah sealed his ancient Ark within and without with pitch, I believe that it is still there and Uh that it'll be discovered one day. Uh, and be awesome. I, I love that. So this is a great discussion. Thank you for coming on. Uh, just hang on the line a minute while I close up the episode. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate yeah. it. And My pleasure. You're, you're the first guest on Revelation On Demand. So that's your, yeah. your, your title. <laughs> I'm pleased, very pleased yeah. and honored to be that guest. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture. We receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. 